0: Hi folks, welcome back to On Call with Insignia, where we go on call with leaders innovating the future of Southeast Asia's internet and digital economy, or as we like to call it, Asia Innovation. I'm your host, Paolo Aquino, and in this episode, join us as we continue our series of Fireside Chats from our fifth year anniversary summit, where we featured several thought leaders and founders across industries, sharing their insights on various sectors and trends, shaping the future of Asia Innovation. In this call, we're covering the future of Web3 mass adoption in a panel featuring Chinta Ang, General Manager of Singapore Crypto.com, and Sharon Rudds Fall, CEO and co founder of Headquarters or HQ.xyz, building the finance dashboard for Web3 teams. This panel was moderated by Jason Ma. CEO of Open. Before you go on call, be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platforms, and stay tuned for our latest insights on our Twitter at InsigniaVC and Instagram at Insignia underscore
1: VC. Now let's get into the call. We want to welcome you to the first panel tonight here about Web 3.0, Building the Future for Mass Adoption. We have some distinguished guests that I have the honor of welcoming, but we're really here to talk about Web 3.0, It's been a buzzword for the last, I would say, 12 months. Not too long ago, Web3 was not even a terminology. It was known as blockchain or crypto, and for many that was a bad word. Somehow it got an amazing rebrand, maybe thanks to Mark Zuckerberg, who now recalled his company Facebook to Meta. As we also know, VR and AR was also a vertical that for the last five years was a hot topic, and somehow it's now the hot topic and rebranded as Metaverse. So what is Web3? What is the metaverse? And what does this all mean? We have companies like Binance that have over 100 million users to crypto.com with our general manager and distinguished guest tonight, with over 50 million users. But this is still just the beginning. This is still the tip of the iceberg. We saw a boom, but we also saw a bust. We saw over 2 trillion in market cap in crypto that was lost just over the last 12 to 18 months, yet, adoption is still super incredibly engaging and strong. Interestingly, US is only the one and only number one, I would say first world country and market in the top 20 ranking for crypto adoption. Most of them are bankless countries like Vietnam, Philippines, Nigeria. What does this all mean? This is what we're gonna talk about tonight. Let's have some fun. I wanna first welcome the general manager of crypto.com, His honored guest, Chinta Ong, to the stage. Welcome, Chinta. Clap your hands. As well, Sharon Lords-Paul, the co-founder and CEO of Headquarters, or HQ.xyz. Sharon, welcome, welcome. All right, how are you guys doing? Good, not too bad. Awesome, thank you. I feel very honored because both of you are incredibly good-looking, a lot more casual than I am. And (laughs) I just feel so uncool right now. Please stop, Jason, but do go on. At least for for Sharon, (laughs) right?
2: I'm just wearing my company shirt for a reason, so. (laughs) Now
1: I'll say this, both of you guys come from very unique, interesting backgrounds. I think it would just be very interesting to let the community here tonight uh, of investors and distinguished guests and founders know a little bit about your background. Because you actually, before Crypto.com, was a public servant here in Singapore for over 16 years, doing all kinds of service and what led you to crypto.com? Thanks, Jason.
3: The funny thing is, I literally just told Jason I was with the government not 15 minutes ago. So, good evening, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Inglan. Inglan is a person I've known for over 20 years. So, I spent 16 years in the Singapore government, mainly with this agency called the Economic Development Board. That's kind of like the UK Trade and Investment Board. We create jobs, we're the architect for the economy of Singapore. Not we, they, right? And as part of that work, I was based in Brazil, in New York. I did some policy work, and most recently, I was in a joint venture between different government agencies, the EDB, Enterprise Singapore, and IMTA, because the government figured, hey, let's break down some of the silos, put everybody together. So I was leading that for a couple of years, and I thought that it was time for a big switch. In the same spirit that I launched myself into Brazil without speaking a single lick of Portuguese or Spanish, I decided I'm going to go as far away from public service as I can. And that was tech and specifically Web3, which we're here to talk about today. So thanks, Jason.
1: It's an honor. Sharon, equally interesting background, Straits X, digital asset infrastructure adoption. I mean, you're super early into this. You also look like you're 18 years old. but <laughs> It seems like you probably had 20 years of experience. How did you, I would say, transition from where you were in Web2 into now Web3? And tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Yeah, so thanks so much. I'm definitely not 18, <laughs> way above that. But yeah, I think the transition from Web 2 to Web 3 is actually quite natural, especially you're very active in the developer scene, so I don't look like it, but I was back in 2017. That's where all the developers were raving over Ethereum and all the ICOs and projects that were built on top of it, and that's really what started the whole rabbit hole journey for me. But I think you know what led eventually to headquarters, you know, shout out to my former boss, Tian Wei, who's there, from the FAST group. So yeah, I had the opportunity to, through that group, group got the exposure to both web 2 and web 3 payments web 3 payments being stablecoin of course with straight sex web 2 payments being the how do we bridge you know normal fiat cash payment methods with the rising new blockchain companies or projects yeah so you i would say is the whole past years of experience that led me to where i am today
1: and i know that crypto.com just invested in headquarters thank you Um, why did you Well, look at Sharon
3: and the company and the business thesis. Why wouldn't we is a question that we should be asking, right? So we are very proud to have co-led the round with our partners. And we are very excited about the work that Sharon and her team will be doing in and also for Web3. And I think this is something that I hope we'll be talking about later, which is, there's a lot of excitement around cryptocurrency, but really, Web3 is a lot more than that. And as the industry matures, we will see more and more
1: enterprise-oriented companies, such as HQXYZ, they'll be paving the way to lead adoption. I think we're in a room where there are forward-thinking investors, people that are investing in crypto. So I don't need to preach to the choir, but for those of you that are not super familiar with Web3, what is it, right? Very frankly, we have what we call Web1, Web2, and Web3. Web1 was the internet genesis or the boom in 1994 95 96 which they call web one equals read where you're able to search for information receive information and that was the beginnings of netscape that was aol that was instant messenger that dates us back all the way to yahoo google put in information receive information you're able to read and collect data web 2 was really 2004 2005 and on where we saw the boom of what we now understand as the social media generation where you're now able to, what we call in one word in Web 2, you're able to write. You're actually able to publish content, whether that's on Instagram, whether that's on YouTube, whether that's on Facebook, whether these social media platforms to push a button and get a car or grab or Uber to come to you. But in Web 2, most of that value accrued to these major tech giants that we know as FANG. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, meaning these new pyramid companies where at the top was the new pharaoh like a Zuckerberg or a Bezos or whoever that leveraged all that data for their own organization, and the ones that actually gave it value actually benefited very, very little. So in Web3, it's this notion of this word own, or ownership, that now, because of blockchain technology, because of the ledger, because of the smart contract, there's transparency, and there's no need for a middle layer or a middle man. Now everyone can be direct, and the world can be bankless, and technically through transparent technology. So with that being said, there's this massive promise and excitement around Web3 that there's ownership. We can be direct with our fans. We can own our communities. We can own our assets and our identity and our our securitized identities, but there's also a lot of friction. So there's a lot of Web3 challenges right now. What are the challenges that we're facing in Web3 to actually get to main adoption or mass adoption? How do you see it happening over the next five to 10 years? I'll start with you, Chen.
3: Thanks, Jason. Let me begin with a little story, right? So just a couple of weeks ago, I was in the police station, right, doing my work because we are partners, Crypto.com, with the Singapore Police Force in helping them combat scams. And the nice police folk who are hosting us there told me, to my shock and horror, honestly, that more than half of all crime in Singapore is scams. And a lot of those scams are cryptocurrency-related. Now they recognize that it is nothing intrinsic or nothing wrong with cryptocurrency per se, it's just that it's a flavor of the month, right? So the the point of sharing this story is, make no mistake, there are a lot of bad actors, there are fraudsters out there, and that hurts the industry, because what we need to build is trust and safety. So I I can't speak for other companies, but at least in crypto.com, our focus has always been on compliance and security. So in compliance, I would like to just quote my, my friends, my colleagues in, in compliance, they always say we got a big boy licenses, right? So we work with progressive, open-minded, but also very tough jurisdictions like Singapore, Australia, Europe, UK, and the US, right? And we've got licenses in all of these geographies. This is no mean feat. In security, we've gotten the highest levels of accreditation We have third-party audits from Deloitte, as well as the IMDA in terms of data trust and protection. So very proud of that. And I think this is the only way to have a sustainable future in the cryptocurrency space and more generally, Web3. Users need to feel that their assets will be protected, that there won't be a rug pull, there's no wash trades, they're not being manipulated. So compliance is very, very important. The other part of that is around education. And here, I'll just make a very short pitch. We want to see how we can educate retail investors, not just in digital literacy, or Web3, but also financial education. So it's actually hitting on multiple fronts. We would love to partner with Singapore FinTech Association, the Blockchain Association of Singapore, and the MES and Eli to see how we can raise the level of retail
1: investors in Singapore so that they can protect themselves. And I just want to ask one more question, that Crypto.com, from my conversation with you in the hallway, is how do you guys view security? So for security, we've worked very, very hard. Let me give you an
3: anecdote of how how strict it is, right? If you ever visit our office, you won't see a single logo of our company anywhere in the building because they're trying to keep it super low-key, because they're concerned about physical security. When they talk about phones, they're always wondering about protecting our colleagues from scam calls. So the the extent of security that we have is, is not just the cybersecurity protocols that we have in place, the processes and policies we have in place, but just like a a consciousness around how we approach security. So I know that's a pretty long answer, but I just wanted to share that I was surprised, and I come from the government,
1: guys. I was surprised by their investment in security. Thank you. And Sharon, to that point of compliance, we've seen Ruggles, we've seen a lot of fraudulent behavior within the top levels all the way down to a small NFT project that runs away with millions of dollars. You're solving that with infrastructure, compliance. How are you approaching it from a headquarters perspective and why did you start HQ to solve these issues?
2: Yeah, thanks. So there's a quick introduction to what headquarters is about. We are building a dashboard, you know, basically to aggregate common tools to make it, you know, Really easy for operators in the scene to be compliant, to actually have all their financial workflows in one place. But more importantly, for their financial reporting to be really at a level of accounting standards. Because I think right now, unless they are at a huge size like Crypto.com at enterprise level, I think the SMEs in this space are a bit lost. Because a lot of them are also first-time operators, first-time founders. Uh, you know, now is a bad period. But during the bull run, I think what instigated me to start headquarters was during the bull run. A lot of projects were pushing out. You know, very really fast-moving DeFi projects. You know, I think smart contract risk was a top priority but that means that their back office was a huge mess right payroll could have been late for all you know vendor payments as well are just chaotic they just pick any wallet sometimes you know they pay from their personal expenses rather than company funds so they are very haphazard but i think now there's a bare period you know people can slow down you know kind of get their back office and sops kind of sorted right so i'm just really one of the tools that's helping them but yeah i think to speak to kind of answer your question, route pools happen really just at the end of the day is personalities. I think it just comes down to bad actors. Bull market, everyone gets greedy, you know, they get away because if you lose a dollar, you make a $10 tomorrow. So that that is reality. But now that things are back to bear market, I think you probably will get flamed very badly if you're a bad actor. So the market will correct itself. But yeah, I think Actual regulations is coming in. That's forcing the entire market to regulate ourselves as well. Proper governance, you know, are you authorized to make the transfer or are you just supposed to get approval from elsewhere? So I think after all the recent rug pulls, I think the entire market has learned our lesson. We expect that from our counterparties as well.
1: And the dashboard that you guys are creating, could you share a little bit more about that? So basically anyone can now be able to do payments, do tracking, do accounting all through this dashboard by HQ.
2: So yeah, definitely. So it's one dashboard. Obviously, we're trying to build a lot. But what we're starting off with is, I think, unique to crypto. We have many different types of source of funds. There is fiat, which means it's bank account. It's crypto-friendly fintechs. The technology stack of that are APIs. We have to integrate the APIs. But at the same time, a lot of us are believers of the principle, not your keys, not your assets. So we also have funds in our non-custodial crypto wallets. Same, you know you don't really access them through APIs, you access them through signing the smart contract. So it's pretty troublesome actually when things are not in one place, right? And that's where people get lazy and then hence tardy and hacks happen and bad factors happen. So we're really just aggregating different source of wallets, you know, custodial, no custodial in one place, transactions in hence one place, and then your records in one place.
1: We only have five more minutes, but you know, I have to use this keyword NFT. What is it? Is it here to stay? Is it gonna come and go?
2: Yeah, I think NFT is starting to go beyond profile pictures, right? Profile pictures is going to different types of membership, membership in social clubs, membership in financial clubs. Yeah, I'm starting to see financial products adopting NFT as just a representation that you own something that's unique and no one else. So it's really just, I think the market is still evolving. I think you just need to go back to what's non-fungible, right? It's just a representation of an identity or membership and that's so wide. Yeah, so I think the market is definitely going to grow. But definitely beyond just culture and social stuff. Yeah.
1: So more about utility, access, and ways of actually creating value for it. Yeah. So just a couple of days, I was at the launch of the Singapore
3: Fintech Association festivals a couple of months from now. The launch of the Web3 subcommittee, right, which my COO, Eric Anziani, chairs. And at some point, he talked about, oh, you know, we are going to create a commemorative NFT for everybody who turned out for the launch event. Mm-hmm. And there was a stir in the audience, right? There's something very emotional and interesting and fascinating about NFTs. And this goes to both your and Sharon's points around the the ability to engage your audience and to build that connection with your brand in a very direct and visceral way. So I'm excited about NFTs. I'm bullish on it. I'll just say a couple of things probably are preconditions before it can go mainstream. Number one, the KYC, the security, the ESG, right? It's no different. It is just like everything else in Web3 and it's it's backed by a token. So you've got to make sure that you know who you're dealing with you have the proper controls in place. The other thing I'm going to say, and this is more unique to NFTs, is what about intellectual property? What are the contractual obligations? Who owns that artwork? There's a lot of, there's a bit of a kerfuffle that's happening out there right now. We've got to figure out all these things. Otherwise, it's never going to really take off.
1: Last question. we got a minute and a half, so I want to maybe just ask a general question for you guys to respond to. We're in this bear market, and some people say bear is to build. But a lot of people are also asking, is this the end of crypto? And I had a question, a conversation with Yatsu, the founder of Animoca, he's one of our investors and our our lead investor actually, and very thankful. But I asked him, I said, what do you think of this, this bear market? And he said, it's very interesting. He said, back in 2017, in the last bear market, everyone really thought this is the end of crypto. Forget blockchain, forget cryptocurrency, this is all a scam, it's crypto cowboys, et cetera, et cetera. He said, it was very interesting when this happened a few months ago and the market crashed and there was a downturn, people weren't asking, is this the end of crypto? People were asking mainly, how low will Bitcoin go? And when do I buy? And so he was like, you know, it's very interesting that people now are more educated, they're more aware, they have a long-term view, but obviously it's like the internet. You have like one to 5% adoption the first few years. Then it starts to hit a little bit more mainstream until five to 10 years later, it gets mass adoption. What's your view long-term on crypto? And what do you think it's gonna take for mass adoption? Maybe a few other data points before I finish
3: off. We also know that a lot of the devs in Silicon Valley, they're not moving away from crypto. They continue to move into the space, into Web3. So that's always a sign for joy because it just proves the problems there are still interesting and the market is still nascent, so there's a lot of stuff that we can still build together.
2: Yeah, I think the market is definitely here to stay. In general, I think crypto is an interesting industry because like what you said, Jason, it's about the ownership of things, but ownership of what? Ownership of really my assets, or is it, you know, in Singapore terms, like a COE of the car, right? Is it the COE that's on-chain? But it's something interesting. I think the the industry actually needs adoption of on-chain to grow for this industry to survive. And thankfully, I think for adoption to happen, you need good talent, you know, Capital so that the talents don't starve, they can continue to build. So I think you see all the ingredients here. Unfortunately, the market climate, crypto, I mean, zooming out of crypto is just a bit weak. So hence, crypto is just one of the many that's being impacted. But you know, fundamentally, are people building? Are people hence adopting? I think yes. So it's very hard to shake that away.
1: Yes, thank you so much. And want to say thank you again. Thank you to Insignia. Thank you very much for letting us have this Web3 panel. Shinta, Sharon, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. As you guys can tell, they are experts. Have a conversation with them afterwards.
0: Stay on the line with us for more conversations with our founders and investors in the region. Until your next call, I am Paolo Oquinha and this has been On Call with Insignia Ventures.